0: Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back,
1: everyone, and thanks for listening. Our show, Food for Thought, is the show that is changing the conversation about food insecurity in Michigan. Imagining the impact food security would have on education, health care, workforce development, and retention, and the effect each of those have on the Michigan economy is exciting. We believe a food-secure household would be more stable, empowered, and healthier because of the economic impact of our work. And no doubt, the business climate in Michigan has changed and improved dramatically over the past eight years. Governor Snyder describes Michigan as the comeback state, and with an unemployment rate at an all-time low of 4.7%, 540 new jobs, and moving from the 40th worst economy to the 12th best economy is awesome. But here's what I know. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. There is a large segment of our population that have not felt the positive effects of these changes in our economy. Therefore, we need to continue to come alongside the working families with dynamic work supports to help our clients reach self-sufficiency, as defined by our self-sufficiency standard. Our guests today are doing just that. They are coming alongside of people where they are at and helping them leverage all of their assets so they no longer need us or any other government or charitable service. Duane Berger, the Director of Business and Innovation at Connexus, returns to Food for Thought to discuss the Business Resource Network, and we will reprise some of our conversation from an earlier show with Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer which will lead us to an exciting special announcement at the end of the show, so make sure you stay with us. Jerry and I will be right
0: back in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, um... I'm pretty excited about this show. I mean, Dwayne Berger and the conversation that we had earlier with Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer is really exciting.
2: Yeah, when she was still a candidate, but we were excited then about some of the things she said that has a lot to do with what we're going to talk with Dwayne about and the announcement we're going to make at the end of the show. So let's listen for a minute now to the conversation we had with then- uh, candidate Mm -hmm. Gretchen Whitmer most of the time when people want to talk about basic needs, it's when the economy's struggling and things are bad and, you know, everybody knows it and you you get a lot of people into the conversation at that time. So one of the things that we're we're trying to do on the show is remind people that, yeah, things are better and looking up. And of course, that's the best way to help people. In the meantime, when times are good is when you really need to think about how you're spending your resources to shore things up so they'll keep growing and keep getting better. And so as you're, you know, out here, are seeing this, um, you know, how, how do you contribute to that conversation? What are the things we need to do in your mind to shore things up and make sure that everyone moves along with the economy as it grows?
3: Well, I think that, you know, whether I am in Alpena, Michigan, or Grand Rapids, um, the fact of the matter is there are, are too many kids struggling in our state to have their basic needs met. Um, whether it's clean water in some cities and, and mm-hmm. areas, or it is food, or it is a stable home environment um, these are fundamental needs that until we meet them we can't ever even expect that they can uh, study or get educated or be productive citizens ultimately that we've got to meet people's basic needs and so I think that that's a conversation that's really important another thing that i'll point out is um, you know I do think that people are 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 frustrated because as we see some great things happening in our state and we see the unemployment numbers low and mm-hmm. the economy turning around in some respects, that it hasn't meant that their household has been able to grow with the economy. And I think... Um, access to, you know, great education, uh, access to high-wage skills, making that available to people. It's so critical to making it really um, an economy that grows our incomes along with it.
2: You know, we just released uh, in September the Self-Sufficiency Standard for Michigan. And part of the reason we did that is because we wanted people to see what does this practically mean. So one of the things we learned from it is that of the 10 most common jobs in Michigan, only one pays a living wage. In other words, pays enough to cover all of the basic needs for a household. And it looked at 700 or more different household types. So it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. And I know when you start talking about Alpena and Grand Rapids and rural areas in downtown Detroit, you're looking at such a uh, complex number of situations so how do you start to address those I mean I, I know you're you're so involved in so many things I mean how, what are your thoughts about how to start working at that
3: well I think the fundamentals are that we've got to make Michigan a place where every child is prepared to succeed and that means basic health care that means food that means water that means education that prepares them for the world um, but also that we are connecting all of our um, residents with whether they're just a a recent high school graduate or someone in the middle of their career who's needs retraining with access to high-wage skills, meaning uh, making four-year degree um, affordable for people. But a four-year degree is not the path for everyone, nor should it be. So that means free community college skills for um, retraining or for training after high school or um, apprenticeship so that people can get into the skilled trades. Right here in Detroit, we see this phenomenal um, stadium having been built and they were importing people from Ohio and from Canada because we didn't have enough people with the skills necessary to do the mm. jobs. And it's not because everyone's full employment and and making you know a great living, as you just pointed out. It's that there's not been that connection between um, getting people into the skills that they need into higher wage jobs, so they can take care of their basic needs and and raise a family and retire, which is what the Michigan dream was all about for so many people for so many decades. And that's what we deserve and need in this state.
1: Well, it's exciting to have you here and to have this uh, conversation with you one-on-one. Uh, you know, I think back to the employment figures here in Michigan. They are, what, you know, at a, a really low 5% or so. And uh, But we go back to 1980, and we've said this quote on the show a couple of times. It was then newly elected President Reagan said, the best social program is a job, But Jerry can tell you that from his investment of his career over this time frame, there is a direct disconnect between full-time employment and food security. It's just not there anymore. It was then. In fact, didn't you start when you first started
2: in this work? You scr- That was the only screening yeah. question you had. That's all we had to know really was, was a person employed. If someone was employed, they were food secure. It was not 100%, but it was pretty well connected, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, over time, things change, right? And so one of the things that's changed is the relationship people have between employment and food security. And we know that because when we ask people who come to see us um, whether or not they're employed, 47% are employed. And a huge number of them are working more than one job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as as Phil and I have talked about many times, how many days are you going to go to work when you come home and you still can't meet your basic needs? After you've worked for 12 or 14 hours and you still can't meet your basic needs, you know, you can't just say, go get a job at that point.
3: Right. It's demoralizing and it, and it, it doesn't work. Um, the, the sad truth is that it's not that we need more jobs, it's we need better jobs, it's need, that we need high-wage skills. There was a point in time where our workforce was the most skilled workforce on the planet. People moved to mm. Michigan from around the world, from the right. Middle East, from Holland, you know, to the west side of the state, from right. Finland to the UP. Um, you know, people moved into Dearborn for great jobs with Ford Motor Company that from paid Alabama. them well. From Alabama. Right <laughs> Right here in our own studio. Yeah. And, and that was the great Michigan story. And unfortunately, mm. yeah. right now, you know, if you work... Ford Forty or more hours a week. There's still a great percentage that you're not able to meet your basic needs because wages haven't improved for the individual um, doing the work, and and we're we're behind on skills, and that's why it's incumbent on, on me and every every person who's, um, really caring about not just our economy but our our household economy is moving forward that we get more people into high wage skills. <laughs>
1: Okay, so that's Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer, and I can't be more excited about what she just said and what's coming next.
2: Well, because we're talking about progress, you know, we started this show to change the conversation about food security in Michigan. And here's an issue. What do you do to help people who are employed but still can't make ends meet? And that's what we're going to talk to Dwayne Berger about, like, right now.
1: A little more month than they have money. Come back and be with us. Dwayne Berger will join us here on Food for Thought.
0: It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back,
1: everyone. And as promised, Dwayne Berger is uh, back with us on Food for Thought. Dwayne, welcome back.
4: Thank you very much, Phil.
1: You uh, had some uh, tremendous changes there in the southwest of Michigan. You're you're working uh, at the at, with the Business Resource Network. You're the director of business and innovation, and you're serving three counties in the southwest portion of the state. And uh, I think your responsibilities have grown since the last time we talked to you.
4: Uh, yeah, I did not do retirement well. Uh, you failed in uh, retirement (laughs) yeah Uh, the the truth of the matter was having too much fun to not let it grow yeah Uh, this is one of those opportunities that you're helping people and businesses do better in life Uh, and and when you can have that kind of opportunity on a daily basis uh, to, to serve not only the business the individuals and ultimately the communities how can you not be part of that.
1: Yeah, it's hard to stay away, isn't it? I mean,
4: it certainly is.
1: Well, we're thankful that you're there, and I'm glad that you moved from the consulting role now to the director role. And uh, so let's just for the uh, sake of our audience here, um, Dwayne, r- let's review what the Business Resource Network is and what it does, and uh, and bring us up to speed.
4: Uh, the Business Resource Network is really a, a group of employers that come together. Recognizing that they have a workforce that needs some stabilization and growth, Uh, they pay their dues into the company, and the key piece of that means that we put a coach into their facility on a weekly basis to meet with their employees to to do several things. They they stabilize employment through barrier removals. They do some training identification. Uh, They help with the health aspects, Um, and basically. You know, we do a lot of—last time we talked, I think we were really focused on barrier removal, mm-hmm. and we still are focused on that, but we've grown now more to how do we grow the workforce? Well, you know, let's retain it, but let's grow it. So we've started putting a lot of training dollars in, in into the workforce to help them grow not only, you know, the company's strength, but it also grows individual economic value which we all know what the Alice study says and the shortfalls in the state of people who are not at the survival budget. So that continues to be part of our focus is let's help these people grow in their financial worth so that not only are they as a family more stable, they also generate loyalty to the company as as they provide this benefit to them, uh, which ultimately helps retention.
1: Sure. So you've
4: got multiple things at play there. Um, but these companies become our advisory board. Uh, they identify what their problems and needs are. Our coaches do that as well. Our data, our metrics that we put, that we capture out of our case management system, tell us. And we continually tr- try to stay one step ahead. I mean, the interesting piece. I mean, if you look, if you go back and look at the the Alice study, and and that survival budget the benefit cliff or the welfare benefits stop considerably short of that. So there's a big gap of people that are sitting in there where they aren't stable economically, but they have no resources to draw from. Um, so we, to that extent, are serving... About 70% of our caseload are not DHHS clients, so they don't have any resource place to turn to. So that's where there that one flat tire away from bankruptcy and and we try to, you know, mitigate that by putting solutions in place with us and the coaches do that in a very intense case management way.
1: That's excellent. In fact, I think I have a resource for you and I can't believe I haven't shared it with you already and that's my fault Um, and that is the self-sufficiency standard, the study that we commissioned and has been completed for all 83 counties and basically it looks at that, that study that you you reference the Alice study and puts it on steroids. <laughs> so Awesome. I would yeah, love to see that. Yeah. And so uh, it's, you know, you're talking about looking at four to six family types or household types in that study. And we looked at 719 across all wow. 83 counties. And you can find that. And before I get you the, the thumb drive with the study on it, you can go to slash self sufficiency standard. And and you'll be able to find it fbcmishorg dot org slash self sufficiency standard, and that will uh, allow your coaches to see exactly what any family, really any household type would need. To not need us.
2: Plus, it has the uh, household budget by category. Yes, so you can see perfect. how much are people spending on childcare, how much are they spending on food, how much are they spending on utilities, rent. I mean, it breaks it all down uh, so that as you're looking at, you know, well, then what do these groups of employers need to do to really make sure that their employees are su- self-sufficient? Um, it really is a, a very credible and helpful resource.
4: I'm excited to read it.
1: Yeah, we'll get you that too in a, in a hard copy as well as on uh, thumb drives. So, and as many thumb drives as you need for y- ever. How many coaches you have? Because I All think right. it will really help define the gap between what they're earning and what they need in order to be self sufficient. It's yep, been fen- That would be
4: very helpful. It's
1: been phenomenal for us and our work. And how do we bridge this gap between what they earn and what they need to be self sufficient?
4: Excellent. Thanks very much.
1: Absolutely. Well, great. That was worth the phone call right there. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that.
4: So th- we look for every tool we can find.
1: Yeah, I think you'll really, really like it. And um, it's been it's again, it's been life changing for us and our work.
2: Well good. So what I'm really eager to hear about since we had you on the show last is what have you discovered new you know, as you continue to go down this path, you, you know, you start with a set of assumptions. This is how we think it's going to help people. And we know we talked about the auto mechanic early on uh, who came on board and it really helped people show up for work more often and on time. So besides auto mechanics, what else are you learning is really helping employers and employees accomplish their, both their objectives of, of making enough money?
4: You know, this may sound way too simple, uh, but one of the things that we started looking into people who got themselves in their economic fragile state, most of them had no, had no role models, no past, no inclination of how to manage money. They did a very poor job of priority setting. They lived paycheck to paycheck. So we have really introduced financial literacy training into all the companies. We do lunch hours. Uh, We do shift, you know, the companies give the last 30 minutes of one shift, and the first 30 minutes of second shift, and we do one-hour classes on site. Uh, We took about 120 people through this as a pilot to test. Ninety percent of those people had never done a budget in their life. Uh, After a period of time of about a year, about 30-some percent of those people had reduced their debt, and about 20-some percent of those people had increased their credit score. So it became very obvious to us that while you can't immediately increase wages, you can increase cash flow if you can manage the debt structure better. Uh, we even got a lot of these folks into the point of starting to save a little bit, even though it's $5 a paycheck or something, to start getting to the concept of a man- managing emergencies, not just you know giving up when emergency hits. So I think our biggest learning curve has been that financial literacy or the lack thereof is probably the root of much of the problem with people who are living paycheck to paycheck. So that's probably our biggest learning piece. You know, I think the other piece, as I mentioned earlier, that while we really focus on the retention piece, thus the barrier, we also know that, all right, we got the barrier removed. We can't move these people forward unless we do a little, little bit of credentialing slash training. And so we work with the employers to find out where the training needs are we use some of the federal dollars that are available through owe in some areas to get these folks in training to advance on their jobs, which advances their, advances their income. Because it's good to remove the barrier, but if you leave them at the same status quo, it's probably going to repeat itself again at some point in time. So to prevent much of this, financial literacy and credentialing training have really entered into a lot of our vocabulary and our processes. While we still work to remove barriers, this is an addition, too. He's Dwayne Berger.
1: He is the Director of Business and Innovation at Connexus. They're serving Van Buren, Cass, and what's the third county? Berrien. Berrien. Right. I was going to say Van Buren, but I knew that wasn't right, so that's why I <laughs> had the sudden pause there. So, Dwayne, come back. Can you stay with us? We want, to, we want to bring you back for a second segment here if you're available. Sure, would be
4: happy to. Great.
1: Jerry and I will be back with Dwayne in just a moment. You folks come back and be with us, too.
0: You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. We're back here. Dwayne Berger,
1: the director of Business and Innovation at Connexus. Jerry Brisson, me, Dr. Phil Knight. We're here. So, gentlemen, uh, what's next in this conversation?
2: You know, I I know um, that you've done a, a pilot where you've looked at credentialing among a group of people and and how successful it was in helping them advance. So, tell us a little bit about that pilot and what it what it teaches us moving forward.
4: Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, we, we we're trying to move people past status quo. And credentialing and training are keys to that, as it adds value to the employee, which adds value to the company. Uh, we took several folks through the training. 60 folks completed training all the way from CNA training, you know, to some machine training, uh, to some basic bookkeeping training. Um, these people came into the program. With an average salary of nineteen thousand couple hundred dollars, uh, after they exited the training programs, and sixty folks got new jobs, the average income of that group of people is now a little over twenty six thousand. Wow! So a pretty significant increase of, of income, and and it's you know it's from about a, a probably about a seven month period, and it's the simplicity of just putting training in place giving people the opportunity to learn new skills and thus be rewarded with new jobs for those skills and thus the pay increase that, that they deserve. So that program is something in which, as I mentioned, you know, in the first half, that's a piece we've added, you know, significantly in the BRN. When you see those kind of results, you want to replicate it again and again. So that's become a natural portion of the BRN and strengthening these individuals. Um, the The BRN is, Now, not only is it a retention tool, but many companies are looking at it as a benefit they're offering employees. It's how do I help these employees become better at their jobs or stay at their jobs or grow as individuals, and that makes them better for the company and more loyal to the company. And one of the things
2: we believe and have said many times on the show is that, the people who were helping are a key to the solution, that people want to be advanced in their job. They would rather be self-supportive. And if you give them an opportunity, not everyone, but a lot of people will take advantage of that. And, and then, of course, you know, we still need to keep the, the, the things in place that help them continue to advance as they get to a sustainable wage. But, you know, it's not just about raising wages across the board but at looking at all the tools we have to raise wages, one of the most important of which is the people themselves learning what they need to learn to have a better income.
4: Exactly. I mean, I I think a statistic that supports exactly what you just said, Jerry, of the over 500 people we've worked with in the last little over a year, 80% of those people are still working. So it shows they want to work. You know, it's the fact that they life gets in the way sometimes, and and it's a life choice they're making. It isn't that they're lazy and want to stay home. It's life circumstances force them to stay home. So the more that you give them the opportunity to be stable and work, they want to work. They want to earn a wage, and they want to grow on the job, and they want to feel that pride as as they offer value in their employment.
1: Well, we think one of the tremendous assets of the work that we do, Duane, in creating food security is that that food that we're able to give people access to helps stabilize the home. And I know we're talking about some partnership and some uh, saying coming alongside of you guys, you guys coming alongside of us. And uh, what do you think is the need in regard to that and the potential to
4: empower and stabilize the home? Well, food, and you guys know this well, and I'm sure as I look at your self-sufficiency study, food is the one variable typically in the budget. Right. I mean, people have the fixed costs all the way through. Food is the place, that the emergency hit this month, that's where they're going to try to balance the budget. So that means less food, which means, you know, nutrition problems, health problems, all kinds of things that get into it. So, you know, while many folks... Don't always say food is the problem. They say financial difficulty is the problem. But anytime somebody's got financial difficulty, I guarantee you food's a problem. Sure. Um, well, I think the last time we talked, food was right up there, number one or two for us. You guys have really been a partner already as we've used your, your food trucks, your pantries, your mobile pantries that go around. And we've been sending them to our member companies on a regular basis uh, to feed the people. And, and I'm not sure this is directly correlated to it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume it might be. The food problems, the food barriers that we experience have dropped down to number five five right now. Wow. And we think it's because of what you guys are providing those food pantries that we're partnering and sending them directly to the, the employers themselves. Um, so we do that. on a, We send two or three trucks a month out to these employers and... Uh, And obviously, they're also open to the public, but they've set an employer parking lot, so many of the employees are benefiting from having that food availability.
1: Man, that's awesome. To drop from number two to number five, that's significant.
4: Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty excited about that.
1: Well, I'm really happy that you suck at retirement. (laughs) (laughs)
4: I I, I do do that for sure.
1: (laughs) Because it's obviously, uh, you're having a tremendous impact along with your CEO down there, Todd Gustafson, and, and, and that entire Connexus team. And I've said this to you, I've said it to Todd before, is there a way that we could clone you guys and take you around the state because... The difference that you're making in, in, in the life of the business, in the life of the people, and in the life of the community is tremendous.
4: Well, a little good news for you on that subject, not that not that we know everything to do or, or should be cloned, but this program, the BRN, has been recognized at the state level as a, as a right and best practice uh, through the TIA folks and the workforce development, specifically Stephanie Beckhorn, with the support of the governor, there's been some of that community venture money that used to exist has been rerouted to BRN development. So
2: the BRN we're talking about is the Business Resource Network. I just want to remind us all that's what
4: it means, Business Resource Network. Uh, So all 16 of the workforce agencies across the state now have an allocation and are launching BRNs across the state now. Uh, And we're working with many of those people to help them learn, you know, the basics of, of, you know, this BRN launch, you know, ABC and so I think you're gonna see several more BRNs sprouting up across the state. Man,
1: so we are cloning you guys.
4: Well we're we're trying to help. <laughs> yeah, well that's exciting.
1: Dwayne Berger, the director for business and innovation at Conexus, and uh our friend and partner. Dwayne, thanks for checking back in with us here on Food for Thought and man, all I just gotta say God bless you. Thanks so much for how uh, you're-, you're very
4: kind. Phil and Jerry, thank you for all the work you do. You've been awesome partners in every way, and we look forward to even more partnerships that serves more people.
1: We'll be with it. We'll be with you doing that together for sure.
4: Uh, very exciting. Thank
1: you. All right, we'll be right back in just a moment.
0: It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, Jerry, you teased everybody at the beginning of the show, and I did too. So what's hap- What's
2: coming up next here? So first, I want to go back again to the conversation we had with Gretchen uh, in October a year ago. Let's just hear that for a minute. Then we'll come back for the announcement.
1: Here's Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer. Honestly, Gretchen, we can't do it if we don't have a champion like yourself that understands the value, as you said, in Maslow's hierarchy of need, food first. If you're not meeting the basic needs, then... And to hear you say that, I'm going to tell you, is both powerful, inspiring, and refreshing.
3: Well, thank you. I, you know, I've, I've... I've learned a lot in my lifetime, but I tell you, there's nothing you learn more than being a, a parent of a child and mm. getting into the schools and, you know, trying to to help other kids who don't have the resources, who don't have the access, whose parents are stretched by working a couple jobs and, and they need um, and deserve to have their fundamental needs met. And that's that's incumbent on all of us to work together to make sure we do that.
1: Well, we think so too. There's a business strategy uh, to our blueprint and uh, Jerry's leading in a couple of Efforts in that here at Gleaners, Uh, and how do we, how do businesses? We help businesses. So we have a project uh, with uh, healthcare uh, that Jerry's leading. We also have a project with uh, in the southwest part of the state with uh, uh, workforce retention, and and so it's you know we're not just a charity now. We're becoming more of a business partner because of the disconnect between employment and food security.
3: Well, and I love the, the, the word partner, because mm-hmm. I think that's really critical, that that's yeah. how we look at many issues that we're facing as a state. But in terms of food security, it's it takes partnerships from, as you pointed out, the federal government, the state government, uh, frontline organizations, and and thought leaders in terms of how do we meet this need. We've got this phenomenal agriculture sector here and a great deal of need, and mm-hmm. it's incumbent on all of us to meet that need because we all benefit when we do.
1: it's like we almost need a czar to coordinate this i don't know maybe that's a platform maybe that's a suggestion <laughs> you know. a food czar i mean honestly yeah. that yeah.
3: there's um, there's might be some merit to that maybe yeah we should work
1: food on czar non czar something like yeah. that to i mean just that would under the office of a governor would would cause us to it would be the backbone organization in a collaborative work plan
3: I think there's there's might be some real beef to that idea. We let's let's think about that. Okay, and vegetables.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) true. Yeah, yeah, true.
2: Substance, (laughs) sustenance, and substance. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's a pretty big concept right there, of food czar. And you know, I'm, I'm just really excited. Number one, to have her in the studio with us at that time, so early in the process, and. And hear her commitment to the, our mission of food security for the state of Michigan. And I, I don't know, Jerry, what do you th- What's rolling around in your head? Because I can see a lot of of thoughts moving there.
2: Well, changing the conversation. This week, we received Get It Done, Healthy Michigan, Healthy Economy, Gretchen Whitmer's plan to increase access to quality, affordable health care. Now, we know we've made the connection between food security and health care many times on this show. The very last paragraph of that plan says, and I'm going to... Is
1: this your special announcement? This is
2: it. This is it. It says... As governor, and this is not me. This is uh, (laughs) Gretchen Whitmer. Governor plan. She says, "As governor, I will initiate a new position for food policy coordination—a director of food security who will convene a food security commission that that enlists legislators, small business, corporate officers, university researchers, and key stakeholders of nonprofits in Michigan to develop a cohesive, collaborative." actionable, and measurably impactful plan to achieve food security for all Michigan residents. It sounds like the blueprint to end hunger to me, and it sounds like exactly what we've been doing on this show for 20 months. I am so proud of this work I am so happy to be able to say this is happening now in our state and this will advance the issue of food security in Michigan substantially in the coming years.
1: And because of that work, Jerry, it will have a profound impact on our
2: economy. And we are bringing a lot of people to the table as we have this conversation. We are not only not starting from zero. We're If we are trying to get from zero to 60, we're starting from 50. We have had so many people involved in this conversation who agree it's important, who agree that things need to be done in a very specific way, who are willing to eat that elephant one bite at a time until we have a food-secure state. This is a very exciting announcement and plan, and and it's going to be bipartisan, and it's going to involve all the people who need to be at the table to make this work. Well, I'm excited that that under her
1: leadership that she gets it in the aspect of Maslow's hierarchy of need. That it's a theory of motivation, right? And if your physiological needs, air, water, food, aren't met, then it's nearly impossible, if not impossible, to move through that hierarchy of need, to be able to self-actualize yourself And we equate that to be self-sufficiency.
2: And as you said, we need a champion. We need someone who's going to help coordinate all these efforts, all these good efforts, all these important efforts, coordinate them so that we can measure the impact and keep moving this forward. It's just very exciting. And it's it's nice to be... Feel a part of it And I hope you as our listeners Feel a part of it Because you've been a part of it And you're going to keep being a part of it If you keep listening to Food for Thought
1: I, Well, c- couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't have closed that better myself So, yeah, keep listening uh, Jerry and I are committed to stay with this program And our show And keep changing the conversation About food security across our state Because we just think There are so many people that win When we do So here's a little food for thought. The state of Michigan and private employers who recognize the importance of investing in the workforce have a more productive workforce, a more efficient workforce, a more loyal workforce, and they have less turnover. And in the private sector, they are more profitable. This is true in Michigan today. I think The leaders who are willing to define, accept, and address the reality of where people are at in the workforce are the leaders of companies and government who will thrive in the near future. This principle is sound and it's true. You must help people where they are at, not where you wish they were. The leaders who accept and adapt to this reality are the ones who will set themselves, their company, and our state apart. Thanks for listening today, and I encourage you to catch all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Follow me on Twitter at DrPhil14, and until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food
0: first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.